because I'm tired of the pain that I constantly see and feel. Now I know that some people ask for definite intent to sound tough, but yo, I'm for real. Because I can no longer take living in the world where pain and suffering is the true favorite pastime. And I don't want to be set free or even receive that phone call that comes in the nick of time. You see me, I just want to get this off my chest. I just need to clear my mind. Because I've witnessed a 15-year-old decide to get his life in order just to have it taken away. I've seen a family who lost a loved one to drug addiction and AIDS. I'm sick and tired of hearing about friends who come home from jail just to go back. And I get sick to my stomach every time I think about our kids who don't know what it is to live in a world without war, AIDS, or even crack. Every night on TV I see stories about kids being sent unmercifully to their death. Can you wonder why I don't want to take another fucking breath? I'm so tired of hearing people screaming, the war in hip hop must cease. And nobody's even whispering about those little kids being molested by these priests. Yeah. We support Michael Jackson and Robert Kelly after several cases of them fucking the little kids, so why don't we see people like Larry Davis and Lomia set free for what they allegedly did? Let's go, Bowler. The elderly retiring and can't survive. Kids are having kids, they're leaving the child in the cold, not caring if the child lives and dies. Young black men are dying on the streets and colors that'll be here long after they're gone. Check this shit out. The city banned smoking, but then offer smoking permits. We getting fucked by the city. Has anybody caught on? Coffee and going up. Milk is almost five dollars. I don't know about you, but my inner city blues got me past one to fucking holler. Mm. And with only a few seconds left on my final breath near, my life chalk it up. My tears, I suck them up because it's probably environment which will become property of the state, will soon out of here. And the only thing left to say to a world this sick is get well soon. Spoken Soul Sessions. Nothing holding me back but me and who's holding you but you but you. Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Boys dances and looted dances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. We start from scratch. New possibilities. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions. I'm your host, Poetic Black, and I'm happy to be here today. Spoken Soul Family was good. We got another one. Today, today, I hope you are feeling blessed. I hope you are a better version of you today than you were yesterday. I hope that you are pursuing your goals, demolishing all obstacles. The plan for tomorrow starts today. And I hope you are in tune. We have a dope show lined up for you guys today. I've been waiting to do this interview with my brother for so long. He's a very busy man. But I got him today, y'all. And when I tell you it's going to be epic, it's going to be epic. But let me give this, this poet, he has so many different titles. Let me give him the proper introduction he deserves. I'm talking about none other than J. Stephen Williams, a.k.a. The Real. J. Stephen Williams, a.k.a. The Real, is an accomplished actor, poet, host, curator, and author. As an actor, he worked, his work goes back over 15 years working on projects of his own and others. In 2009, he landed the role Ugly Man 
in the full-length film King of Paper Chasing. An indie urban crime drama based in NYC, this indie film broke ticket sales at the HBO Latino Film Festival, totally selling out on two showings in a matter of hours. The film has been seen on HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, Netflix, and Hulu. Currently, he's pursuing a degree in film from the LA Film School so that he can produce the best films and documentaries. As a poet since 2000, he has graced many stages in NYC, from the historic New Yorkian Poets Cafe to thought-provoking Poetry Slam, the United Nations to the National Actions Network. People have experienced his brand of Sign of the Times Poetry, the Real has also performed at community-based events from autism awareness to the homecoming of a political prisoner. He is also the curator of over 90 poetry showcases, open mics, and events to date, including a participant in the 10,000 Poets for Peace Worldwide Day of Poetry. Since 2001, The Real has hosted talent shows, award shows, slams, open mics, fashion shows, from live events to TV shows, there isn't an event that, hasn't, that he hasn't hosted. He's also a multi-book author. His book, Reloaded, and that's just why your ass is still single. A non-traditional relationship book that looks at the behaviors that keep people from finding the right one. A book that was written to truly help women understand men and how their words and wording creates either Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now. To keep up with the real... And what he is doing, you can follow him on Instagram at at I underscore M underscore the spelled T-H-A underscore real. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, let me introduce to you my brother, your brother, Mr. J. Stevens Williams, a.k.a. The real. What's good, my brother? What's happening? I was looking around. I was like, damn, who the hell he introducing? Nah, man. Like fire. What's going on? What's good, my brother? My brother, my brother. I'm so happy to have you in the building today, man. I mean, I've been trying to chase you down, get this interview with Thank you, man. Congratulations, man. I appreciate you, King. I do. I really do, man. Now, we gonna we we can't waste no time because we got so much to unpack, man. You are a dynamic author and a dy- a dynamic spoken word artist we've we've graced many stages together every time i was going out there trying to get some slam yes, money sir. who do i see i see you i'm like damn he's in my way <laughs> he's in my way you know what Yo, i mean you know i was like oh it's my brother right here man but let me ask you the first question that i ask all my guests that come on the show because i like to get different perspectives from different artists, man, because we think different. And the question is, Mr. Real, why, why poetry? Honestly, it started out as an alternative. Mm. Um, I started out, the very first thing I did was acting. That was at 14, I was acting. But then I went to an audition for an urban play and I had white people tell me I wasn't black enough. <laughs> um. Right. So that kind of put a pin in acting. Like, I, I didn't understand it. Um, where I worked at, Kenny Williams was my supervisor. Mm. So, he's a dope comedian. been in the game for a long time. And he was my, he became my mentor in stand-up, because I was doing stand-up. Mm. But that came to an end when I realized that angry comedians aren't funny. <laughs> um, I was at an event, and <laughs> I was at an event and I got into another comedian. Um, and so when I spoke with him and he was basically breaking down, like you can't do that, like that that like you got to take it. And I realized my skin wasn't that tough. Like I'm funny, I can do jokes, but I can't. You know, certain things I can't take. So I hosted an event and I did a poem. 
It was one that I wrote, like I wrote it when I was in the shelter with my family. Um, it was kind of like it was a sanity piece. Mm. Like it kept losing my mind because I had to be the foundation at the time. Mm. So um I wrote it, memorized it, and that's just like memorization was just it came from acting. Like you you couldn't have anything in your hand, so I can't have anything in my hand. So I memorized it and I did it at a show. And the response was just crazy. Mm. But what I felt more than the applause was like a release. You know what I'm saying? Of all of the stress of 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 what life was 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 testing me with at the time. Mm. Um new father. Um in in, in in New York City shelter holding down two jobs. Like, you know mm. what I'm saying? So it was a release. So Poetry became a therapy for me because I could see something, hear something, feel something and put it in a way and present it to people, getting it off my chest while they also relate to it. Mm. So, you know, help me realize I wasn't crazy. Definitely, man, because like what I noticed about you when I first came on the poetry scene, you had this group untamed untamed i was like man who are these guys man so i went to this i was so i'm gonna let i'm gonna let my audience know man this these guys right here were dynamic when i came home when i when i came back to new york and i seen and i seen this the energy that you guys gave at a performance i believe we was at the brooklyn exposure and i see that the way that y'all performed Mm -hmm. y'all performed as a unit and this was the first time I seen that. This was the first time I really experienced different poets coming together and performing as a unit, you know? And I was like, wow, I was really, I was really taken aback. And I was like, wow, man, this is amazing. And the the stage presence that you guys always delivered was just unmatched. So I had did an interview with uh Distinguished. And I was asking him, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, how did Untamed get started, man? I'm like, how do y'all get started, man? And so I'm going to ask you, because I know you were one of the founding member, or if not the founding member. You know, tell us, you know, give the audience, you know, a rundown. How did Untamed get started, man? Because y'all was doing, y'all was doing numbers in NYC, B. Y'all was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, Untamed Talent was something that I put together from the foundation of what I did. Everything that I did, be it acting or whatever, it was always a group. Each job was as an educator. So it was a group of teens that went out and performed and educated people on everything from HIV and AIDS to conflict resolution, even how to wear a condom. Mm. And the impact of it was so crazy that it just stayed with me. So originally... I came into the poetry thing because I was pulled in by two um, two coworkers, um, Eric Crow Draven, who's another dope poet, and dope. my man Brown. Mm. So I was doing stand up at the time. I, I wasn't doing the poetry, and I seen them do it. And honestly, like I couldn't relate to poetry mm. because everything I knew of poetry was like going back to Egypt. It was conscious. Mm. And I grew up in the crack era. So there was like, I didn't, I wasn't exposed to any of that. Mm. So I went with them to a show because uh, Brown went to sell a book and this female did a poem that was so different and something I definitely could relate. I loved it. She performed it. So it was like from that point forth, this is what I'm going to do. So I'm in the group. We're moving, we're making moves, but then the person who put it together, felt like the members were outshining him. Mm. So he ended the group. So he one day he just ended the group. Um I kept going, Crow kept going, and Cascade kept going. But it was like we didn't go together. Because we were all different type of poets. We was different type of people. Mm. Um, so as I started moving and getting more familiar, going to places, New York's and hottest poets and all these different places, it was some people that I was just seeing on a regular basis. So we clicked up. So the mm. first time around with Untamed Talent, I had eight members. 
but they weren't they weren't they weren't a reflection of what I wanted us to look like mm. um, but rather than end it you know what I'm saying I tried to steer things right long story short everybody dipped um, two of the members actually came back which was dope so when you met us we were 13 deep mm. um, and yeah and when I came across those members it was a true blessing to find that many people that can put ego aside put self aside for a bigger purpose of making this noise with an art form that hasn't gotten the respect due. Mm. Um, or the foundation, it was like you could say, Yo, I want to do a such and such and such. And instead of hearing no, how can we make it happen? And it was dope, it was powerful. Um, and I think part of what helped it get the energy was because I didn't run it like a poetry group mm. like we had rehearsed meetings um, you know things like it was structure and having people that respected structure and understood structure was so dope and that's why we was able to do all of the things we do from, from the flash mobs yes I remember doing, yeah the flash you know, mobs because, was dope yeah man um, and all those things came because like it was a think tank mm. so one person would know something or, or, or think about it this way and before you know it you sit down and be on put a whole thing together and it wasn't a oh well I'll see about it like people was very proactive in getting things done so yeah I always say Untamed Talent was the true like it's probably one of the greatest things outside of family that I did that's I mean like coming from the outside looking in man you guys had an impact man you guys had a a very positive impact you guys had a very positive impact on um NYC you know NYC poetry you know because what I really dug about mm -hmm. you guys man when y'all showed up to an event y'all showed out people knew y'all was in the building you know what I mean? Untamed was in the building. If Untamed was any of the members was on the lineup, was spitting, y'all came and y'all supported each other, man. And I just I just think it was just dope the way y'all y'all came together and y'all illustrated that unity, you know, that cohesiveness, you know, and y'all showed the y'all show NYC, you know, what can be done. You know what I mean? So I really dug that, man. And you getting into you, like you never stopped, my brother. Like since the since the time I met nah. you, since the time I met you, I think we met in maybe like 2008 or maybe 2009, somewhere somewhere around there, and you've never stopped. I yeah. checked out your movie, and, and and ladies and gentlemen, this brother right here, he's just not a spoken word artist. Like I seen his stand up, he's funny. On top of that, I seen his movie. You know, the King of Paper Chasing. That's my joint right there, man. I watch that periodically from time to time. Let me just throw this joint on right here. That character, Ugly Man, yo, you played that shit, man. You played that shit. You got, you know you played a role good when when people see you and they say, ah, that's that nigga right there. Ah, man, you 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 did a, a Tariq performance. Like, when yeah, motherfuckers see Tariq, yeah. when motherfuckers see Tariq, they be yeah. like, yo, man, get up out of you a foul dude. You know what I'm saying? But you played that role, my brother. You really played that role, man. Yeah. So tell us, man, yo, tell us, how man, did you listen. how did you land that I role? All right, so at the time, I was working for Planned Parenthood. I was an outreach worker um, I used to test um, people for HIV and AIDS, counsel, substance abusers, all of that. So it, I got back into the acting and it was a newspaper. It was called Stage. The shit was like $2. Mm. So you had the only place you can get it was like the train station um, newsstands. Like you couldn't catch them in the regular stores. So I got the paper and I circled it. But the day of the audition, you know, like I was tired. Um, I had told three people they was positive, and mm. that's always a long process. So I was talking to my wife, and she was like, "Are you going?" 
And I was like, nah, I think I'm just going to come home. And she was like, no, you should go. Mm. Go. I think you should go to this one. And I was like, all right, bet. So I went. Um, and when I walked in, I was the only one who was dressed like they came to audition for an urban movie. Mm. Like dudes had on suits with ties. Um, one dude came with like the whole African print outfit <laughs> and I'm just looking and I'm just going and I'm just like I don't know so I go in the bathroom while I'm in the bathroom I'm talking to my wife and she's like how's it looking I said well if I'm going according to looks I already got it mm. so there was it was another dude in the bathroom he was washing his hands and he laughed and I didn't know if he was laughing at me or what. I really didn't pay no mind. So I go in and when I walk in for the audition, they like, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yo, everybody wanted to read. So the first thing you had to do was a monologue. So I did this monologue that I have um, about a homeless pastor. Mm. So I did the monologue. And it was like, all right, so yo, read this part. So I read the part. They're like, read this part. And I read the part and like you know how you can feel when you got something but you're not sure mm-hmm. so the director says to me I, we, I only got one question are you a Giants fan or a Cowboys fan <laughs> I, I, need, I said what fan do I need to be to get in this movie <laughs> he said oh well, you gotta rep that star but now mind you I'm standing there in a J in a um Michael Strahan Giants jersey. <laughs> so we right. So we laughed or whatever. Um and when it was over, I think by the time I got home, they had left me an email letting me know I had got the part. Wow man. And yeah, and it was crazy because I got the part month after my wife told me she was pregnant Mm. Mm. so during filming you know filming was long we're talking 23 days 12 hour shoots Mm. and then I gotta come home to a pregnant wife wow man so it was crazy right so it was crazy that the second day of filming she went into labor. Wow. Wow. And it was crazy because lucky enough, right, lucky enough that day I wasn't filming. So when she had the baby and I come back on set to film, like the response was crazy. And it made me want to do the film more because mm. I thought that I was going to come back and it would, you know, like, be a little, like, is, is he going to stick around or whatever the case may be? And it was just like, yo, congratulations on the baby. What did you have? La, 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 la. That's what's up. Let's go get a drink. You know, and it was that type of energy. Mm. And I think that's what helped. You know, I think that's what helped me to be able to portray the character as good as I did. Because I've been on sets of film. Like, I worked in a, um, on, in a pilot short film with Alicia Keys. Mm. And it felt nothing like this. Nothing mm. like this. You know what I'm saying? So it's like to come across that was dope. And yo, I had so much fun filming that movie. Up yeah, until man. the bathroom scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That yo, that movie right there, man. I see that joint. Yo, the funny thing about it is, I'm gonna tell you how the first time I seen the movie. This is crazy, it's gonna bug you out. I'm sitting in my crib, right? Now, I had no idea you was in this movie. So, I'm sitting in the crib, right? and I look at this movie. I think it came on Stars or whatever, but I'm watching Stars, and I'm like, oh, it's like it's like an urban movie. I'm into these. You know what I mean? I like those, I like those kind of movies. Let me just check this out. So, I'm sitting there, and I'm with my wife, right, right. and then you come up on the screen. I was like, yo. I was like, yo, I know him. 
yo, that, I was like, yo, I was stuck. I was like, oh, snap. And then the next time I seen you, I was like, yo, I didn't know you was in the movie King of Paper Chasing. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. I'm sitting there watching that movie out of the blue. You didn't tell me about it. Nobody told me about it. I'm just sitting there. It came on TV and I'm sitting like, it's all right. Let me, let me get into it. And I was like, oh, snap. This dude in a movie. I said, oh, my man. Look at, I like, Look at this right here, dude. That was dope, man. It was a dope experience, my brother. And, like, really, man, you really played that role, man. You did You did an excellent job, man, because you're one of the memorable characters. Like, you you know a movie by the characters that yeah. you, you you know that, that character. And Ugly Man, the movie should have been called Ugly Man because it's like, you know what I mean? You, you, you took over that part. You know what I mean? You took yeah, over that it's part. It's crazy because... It's crazy because, like, when the movie dropped, I was, I had mixed feelings on, you know, how it was going to do because it came out around the time of The Wire and mm. stuff like that. Um, so when we when we landed the um the film festival, um, we got in it because of one of the co-stars, Jason. You had to have at least one, um. Hispanic Latino actor. We had a bunch of them, but we got in because of Jason. Mm. So it sold out like in like an hour and forty five minutes. The first show, fun. Second show, about another forty minutes later, fun. Wow. So right. So it the feeling for that was crazy. But what I remember was sitting there in the theater. And watching it because mm. as a kid, I used to always tell my mother, I'm <laughs> gonna be in a movie. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna be in a movie. I used to always tell her that. And she used to be like, I believe you, baby. I believe you. Mm. So when I finally did it and I'm watching it, so it's over. My mother didn't make it to the premiere. So when they got when they got the um they had got everybody in, in the um, cast. They got them copies of it on, on DVD. Mm. So I let my mother watch it. <laughs> she calls me. She says, I love the movie, baby. <laughs> but I'd have killed your ass in the first 20 minutes. <laughs> and then my uncle... And then my uncle, he calls me about the bathroom scene. <laughs> he goes, hey, I saw you. I'm like, oh, that's what's up, aunt. He said, no, no, no. I gotta ask you a question now. Uh, <laughs> that bathroom scene. <laughs> is, is that you? I said, no, uh, it's a character. He said, you sure? I said, I got a wife and kids. He said, hey, that don't mean nothing. To me. I said, I promise you, uh, all right, then keep doing what you're doing. And he hung up the phone. Oh, so man. like reception, I've never been, I've never come across anybody who said they didn't like it. And I'm always appreciative of that because you know, you know how we as black people are with with, with entertainment. Mm. You know what I'm saying. So it's like if it, if it ain't, if they, it yeah, ain't exactly. On, you know it ain't on. Exactly. So I appreciate, you know, but that just you tells you how how great of a job you did. Yeah, you did an excellent job, my brother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to really, because yeah, if they don't question it, if they don't, if they don't question that, you didn't do a good job. You know what I'm saying? If they can see through that, they, you didn't do a good job. And my brother, you did an excellent job, man. You did an excellent job on that movie. And that's real talk, man. I'm not bullshitting you, man. You did an excellent job on that movie. It was a dope film. And it really showcased your talent and how you can take your characters. But I want my audience to get a chance to hear you. Because it's going to set up for my next question that I got for you. So I'm going to play a, a, a commercial from one of my sponsors. And then I'll set the stage and we'll get into your first mm -hmm. piece. All right, cool. Hello, this is William S. Peters Sr., a.k.a. Just Bill from Interchild Press International. First, I must say we at Interchild Press are proud to support my brother, Daniel Green, a.k.a. Poetic Black, and his prolific, embracing, and informative program, Spoken Soul Sessions. As a publisher and now sponsor of the work Poetic Black does, we at Interchild Press International offer to you, his listeners, and all spoken word artists right 
writers and poets, a 10% discount on all of our publishing packages and services. Please mention code Spoken Soul to take advantage of this offer while it lasts. You can contact us at InTouch at innerchildpress.com. And we hope to see your words in print very soon. We are Inner Child Press International, building bridges of cultural understanding. That's www.innerchildpress.com. Thank you. Coming to the stage for his first performance, let's give a warm, warm welcome for my brother and your brother, The Real. I spit for that dude up north in that cell, scared to speak. Out of fear that he may get it again or beat. I spit to tell the story of little Corey. Mama's a fiend. Daddy's a star runner on the Iron Shit Track team. And in the midst of all of this, he got a little brother he got to convince to follow his dreams. Pay no attention to the nightmares. I spit because it's therapy for me. Keeping the beast calm within me. Lyrical paranormal activity. You see, I've witnessed horror so bad it still bother my tomorrows. Dealt with pain so thick I still taste that shit. And in time, I've learned that verses are more accepted than screams. I spit to paint pictures. I spit to create urban scriptures. Let pair thinking in the book of reality. You want to know about the Sphinx in Egypt? <laughs> I don't know. But if you want to know how cold it gets for an HIV addict with no soul, Come holler at me. I spit when I hear whack shit because it gets me heated. I spit that real shit because I know that it's needed. No metaphors here, my dear. I keep my shit simple and clear. I spit to take your mind off all the bullshit you got to go through out there. I spit for Brown, Crow, Cass, Mellow, Lady K, the production, the people who made me the problem I am today. I spit for my poetic family because whenever I touch the stage, they are always on stage with me. I spit like this because this gift is God sent. So like Beyonce's GYN, <laughs> I love my job. And I know some of y'all hate to see me when I come through. So I guess I spit for that too. Because the thought of fucking it up for some of y'all pussies makes my dick hard. Wow, that's a classic right there, B. That's that classic right there, my brother, man. One more time for my brother, man. <laughs> this, this is this is a proper segue to to get into my next question, my brother. Inquiring minds want to okay. know how did you develop that raw stage presence, man? That raw stage presence that you're known for. Tell us, how did you develop that? Did you come um, out the gate with that, or did or did it take time? Nah, it, out the gate. Um, I was always taught, remember, I started off doing theater. You know, mm. I started off with acting and we did improv. So one of the things that they taught us was how to command room. Mm. Um, but we never really had to do it because people knew we came, they was introducing us, you know, people was on their best behavior. It's a performance. We want to sit back and pay attention. So now my first time performing at a poetry show, which was Hottest Poets in Harlem. Mm. This place is packed. And yo, they called me up. Of course, nobody knows who I am. So nobody's like paying attention, dead ass, literally. Like no one is paying attention. So I move the microphone. I step closer to the end of the stage. And I started performing because one thing I can always do is project. Mm. I started performing. By my third line, the room was silent yes. and what nobody knew was I performed like that because I was pissed off that nobody paying attention mm. <laughs> I realized that that energy worked for me so I kept it it definitely works bro because that's what you're known for man when you get on the stage everybody is is expecting people who've seen you perform they're expecting that realness. They're, they're expecting that raw in your face. I'm going to tell you how I feel. It ain't going to be pretty. I ain't going to use a whole bunch of crazy metaphors. I'm going to give you this truth, this real. 
and it's yep. and it's it's beautiful, yep. man. It's yep. definitely beautiful, my brother, man. And the name is befitting. How did you get that name, the real? Did you pick that name yourself, or somebody gave it to you? Um, funny enough, the same night, I, I the same, <laughs> same night, um, I went because up until this point with acting, stand up, I always use my name, J. Stephen Williams. Mm. So. I was clowning my friends, Crow, Brown, Mellow. I'm clowning them for their names. <laughs> and they're like, this is what poets do, bro. They have they have a name that either represents them, their style of writing and stuff. I'm like, all right, whatever. So when we get there, there's a dude outside. Very street. Yo, what up, my nigga? Was popping. This is how he's talking. Mm-hmm. He gets in the he gets in the venue. Peace. Peace. <laughs> the whole vernacular, everything is different. <laughs> and I've always been a person, like, I've always been a person, like, even as a kid, I never respected fake anything. Mm. Anything. Clothes, jewelry, people, none of that. Fake people is the reason that I told my wife when I die, don't have a funeral because I don't want it around me my final time here. Mm. So when the guy came to ask me, what's my name? I'm looking at dude and I'm like, the real, because that's how I keep it. Mm. And he was like, I like that. And he wrote it. When he got up on the thing, he, he's like coming up next to the stages, the real, because that's how I keep it. And I'm like, wait, oh no. <laughs> All right, fuck it. We going to rock with it. So when it was over, I won. I won the thing crazy. So one of the older poets came to me and was like, I love your name, but it's too wordy. Mm. Cut it down some. And so I I dropped it because that's how I keep it. I just kept it at the real. And that was it. Mm. Definitely be yeah. fitting, man. Definitely, definitely be fitting of your style of poetry man you know what i mean it's real it's authentic it's always in your face it's always refreshing because you know sometimes you just need that whiff of truth because you got people blowing smoke on you yeah. all day long yes men you got the yes men the yes women oh yeah 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 they, they they all behind you and they always giving you fluff but you need that you know how your grandmama gave it to you Sit your ass down. Let me tell you this mm-hmm. truth. You know what I'm saying? So, and and that's what it's like when I see you perform, right. my brother. All the time, you give that with you get people attention and you let them listen to your words because there's a a divine message within your words, my brother. And it's always refreshing to hear you. Now, we got to get through to some more pieces and all that. You know what I'm saying? We get through some more pieces, but right. we wanna. I wanna. I wanna talk a little bit more about your acting and you know the things you got going on like you curate a lot of different shows like i've been i've been a part of of a couple of your showcases a couple of your open mics and and um slams tell us tell us a little bit more about that because i know you got some stuff upcoming that's coming in november right i know you got you got the um the comedy uh showcase coming in november and uh, let the people know, man, because we want to know how we can support you. But get us into how you start to curate shows and you start to put on all these different shows around New York City. Because, I mean, you be saturating the market like the real on Instagram. Like, damn, I can't I can't my thumb can't go up two times without seeing something related to you. I'm like, you, you do you hire people to post these things like you're everywhere. I see you. I'm like, damn, man, this dude is everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, nah, man. Um, I learned a long time ago. You gotta be, you gotta be out there. Um, but I got into doing shows because um, before I started doing shows, I was a host on a BCast show called Flex in Brooklyn. Mm. It was like a like, it was like like a BCat version of MTV. So it was music. Um, I interviewed a couple of artists. I interviewed people like Tyrese, mm. um, Capone and Noriega, you know, stuff like the movie premieres and all that. The only thing that I had a problem with, and it wasn't even really a problem, it was just, you know how you see something and you know how to fix it 
it eat at you until, you know what I'm saying, you say something. Mm. So I said to the brother, I was like, because on top of everything else, I did one joke. So like I would tell a joke. There was no live track. I mean, there was no audience and nothing. I just got to get the joke. I got to hit the mark. And he would put like this, this, oh my, one of the worst lab tracks. <laughs> so I said to him, so I said to him, because when I host the shows, I'm telling jokes and stuff like that. I'm like, why don't we just catch one of the jokes from there? It's a genuine audience. It's genuine energy and rock like that. And he was like, let me tell you something. This is my show. If you want to change anything, go get your own show. And I was like, you're right. Say less. Mm. So at the time I was doing outreach. And I just started promoting like I used to promote when I used to throw um, I used to throw strip shows in New Jersey. Mm. So I started promoting like that, but I'm promoting it like it was poetry. So I went hard for three months for this. I'm like, yo, this shit going to be crazy. I'm standing out in front of Notion Avenue train station every morning, handing out flyers. Mm. Everybody that I know, I'm telling about it. But I'm not going out to perform because I'm working. Night comes for the show. I pull up to the place. It is three people. Wow. Three people. And two of them were clients. The other one was an actual, was a poet. And he's not even a poet anymore, but Element, shout out to Element. He was the very first performer to ever pull up to one of my shows. Yeah, shout out Element. That's my man right there. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, shout out to Element for that. So I went home and I was mad. I was so mad. Um, But my mother always told me if either you do it the way somebody wants you to do it or you do it on your own, your way. Mm. So I sat down, I thought about it, and I figured it, and I'm like, what was I missing? What, what did I miss? And what I missed was I didn't reach out to any poets. Mm. So my next event, what I did was I got Chance, shout out to Chance from El Grito mm. and Latinos NYC. I got him to host the event because I knew like before Untamed Talent, El Grito was the shit in New York. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 15 Puerto Ricans. That was fire. Mm. So I got him to host it because him and Crow were cool. They were boys. They were in a, um, a group together. He promoted it and it was the exact opposite of my first show. Mm. I'm talking about this place is packed. You got poets in there that haven't seen each other in so long. Uh, One poet, she came, she was pregnant. Everybody was surprised. Like, it was a dope night. And like, this is what it's supposed to be. That's right. That's And ever since that show, that's the energy that I'm chasing. Mm. For every show, no matter, even if it's erotic, like, I want people, my whole purpose, it's never to get rich. It's always just to put a good event where people can have a good time, where the artists don't lose, and the audience is like, yo, when is this one? That's, that's, that's always the purpose. Like, if I can help artists get a couple of dollars, I'm going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it is, because my thing is like, the art form, the art form is only going to give you what you give, what you give it. That's right. So, if, if, if you know what I'm saying? So, if I'm expecting a certain type of show, I, you know what I'm saying? I got to keep energy with certain types of people. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's like, and it's it's not easy. Like, it's been a couple of times when I was like, yo, I'm not doing this shit no more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know um, how you feel, I remember, bro. Yo, I remember one time um, I did a show and it was a slam, actually. And I'm a competitive person by nature. So I always look at slam as it's just that friendly competition mm. amongst poets. It should never elevate to a point where people are feeling away. Exactly. So, you know what I'm saying? So I did my very first slam. And I look on Facebook. And one of the 
people who didn't win is talking crazy. Wow. I'm talking crazy. Oh, I don't know how I lost that bullshit. Da da da. Like <laughs> was going in, and it elevated like back and forth on Facebook to the point where I was like, "Yo, my nigga, you is past poetry." Mm. One of the elder poets um, in Boston was like, nah, don't do that. It ain't about that. Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, listen, I am a man first. Mm. I have a name and a brand that I'm trying to build and I'm going to protect it. You are not going to talk reckless simply because you lost. Mind you, the performer was horrible. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, like you, I don't know who gassed you up, but you (laughs) get around some real people. (laughs) <laughs> to let you know that ain't, ain't it. So the last post a person put up was that untamed talent won't last a year. Wow. And that was in two and that was in 2009. They said that. Mm. Untamed talent ended in 2000 and I want to say 17. Mm. Yeah. Oh, like, and we and we're talking about it. I can't do something. We're talking about untamed talent. We're talking about untamed talent right now. So that extends to 2021. So all that stuff he was talking about, right? Because y'all made an impact. It was an impact. And I'm a poet. I had a poetry group. You know what I'm saying? We was doing our thing in New York. But like I noticed what untamed was doing you guys had a powerful force y'all had y'all was doing big things man and it can be appreciated man but it's always going to be hate because hate if if you don't get no hate yeah. you ain't doing it right you know what i'm saying you ain't doing that you ain't you ain't you ain't working man when you when people start hating now you know you're doing right. something like real rap man but i mean it's a, it's amazing my brother it's amazing the journey that you've been here cuz it's not a lot of it's not a lot of poets that's still around from when i first got in the circuit to now, you don't really see a lot of poets doing it no more, and it's it's happy and refreshing yeah, to and see you still doing it, bro. That's because life, man, life, mm. life, life, life will fuck around and pull the rug out from under you. You think mm. you got it figured, yo? So I always say I know so many dope poets that don't do poetry no more, and it's simply because of life, either. Financially, it wasn't rewarding or, mm. or something. Yep. And it, it's bad because it's like, it's like I go out to a poetry thing now and it's like, it's hard to get the feel that I used to get as a given before. You know what mm. I'm saying? Poets pull up before and it was, it was like, if the energy was dead, now you got to wonder and hope. And if they pull out a phone, you can almost guarantee, nah, I'm 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 not from that era. So mm. you know what I'm saying? I miss a, oh my god, I miss so many posts. Like, even even if not the person, just their poetry. Like, I miss I'm I do. Um yeah, and it it is it's it's crazy how different the scene is now. Yeah, man. But you still here, bro. You still here, man. That's what that's what matters. You still here, bro. And you still you still cranking these shows out. I love your comedy yeah, series. Fuzzy, man. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. You you went through that little health scare, man, but you still here strong and resilient, my brother. I'm happy that you're here, man. I mean, really, man. Yeah, man. I'm 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 really happy you're here, my brother, man. It shows your resilience, man. It shows your resilience. I appreciate that, man. Real rap. Now we want to get into another piece, I man. That, man. We we gotta get we got we gotta get you to spit another piece, man. Come on and wow us one more time. Let me set the stage back up for you, my brother. Coming back to the stage, let's give another round of another round of applause for my brother and your brother, Mister the Real. From as far back as I can remember, nobody liked the nigga. Not even the other niggas. When we were robbed and lynched, non niggas ain't even flinch. Some got dressed up in their Sunday's best just to see our bodies charred and lifeless. 
And as time went on, we begin to sing a song. We shall overcome. Marcus Garvey. We shall overcome. Martin Luther King. Bow. We shall overcome. Click. Click. Nigga, I need you to do this. Bow. It wasn't me. It was a white man. Malcolm X. We shall overcome. Plunges in his asses. The story is seen by the masses, but he's treated different because he's labeled an immigrant. Sean Bell doing what all men do the night before they say I do just to have his life cut short and more shocking odds. The cops get off with just a slap on the wrist for the shit they did. That's what they do. And what do we do? We shall overcome. We shall overcome. 41 shots. We overcame that. The Jenna Six, we overcame that. Emmett Till, we overcame that. I mean, Lincoln and Kennedy were friends of we and we overcame that. I wonder if Big and Pop sung Papa Rock, would they kill us being caught? But because of the hood shit, and I would gave a shit. The demise of the Black Panthers, we overcame that. In the 70s, it was heroin. In the 80s, it was crack. And we overcame that. Martin Luther King, we didn't just overcome that. We even tried to get along. So now that it seems like this new age thing is taking out our kids, our kings and our queens, what's going to be the soul? I mean, T.I. went to jail for buying a gun. Little Wayne went to jail for just having a gun. Went to jail for killing a dog. Wake up, y'all. Wake up, y'all. Wake the hell up, y'all. It's time to change the song before it's not enough of us left to see when we finally overcome. Wow. Profound, man. Absolutely profound, man. That Wow, that piece right there, my brother, man. That right there is so relevant. It's so relevant to what we go through as a people. And today, mm-hmm. today is mm-hmm. still going on. We saying mm-hmm. we shall overcome. Mm-hmm. It's time to stop marching. You know what I'm saying? The marching time is over, mm-hmm. man. That unity, mm-hmm. man, that unity that we need yeah. to come together, man, to, to close our fists, to protect ourselves. And uh, that poem is... Oh man, that poem yeah. is relevant, my brother. Dynamic piece. What was you going? What was going on Thank you, man. when Thank you wrote you. when you wrote that? Like where your headspace was at? I know it had to be a, a um, combination of things. Okay, so I take the police the police brutality thing a lot deeper than a lot of people because when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a cop. I had an uncle who was a state trooper. I love my uncle. I had another uncle. He was a sergeant in the military. I love my uncle. So I didn't see anything wrong with cops. I wanted to be a cop. Mm. Then my oldest brother got beat up by the cops for just having a pair of nunchucks. Mm. And it changed. And as I got older, being in the street, I'm catching situations. Cops pulling guns on me, telling me I fit the description when I know I don't. Things like that. So fast forward. Eric Garner dies. It bothered me a lot. But what bothered me more was the stance that his mother and them took after they got the money. Mm. After they got the money, it was, oh, we need to just get along. Um, We got to forgive him, you know, and move on. And it's like, Mm. they choked your son out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Before... Before we heard um, Brother Floyd screaming, he can't breathe. Eric got the first one. And I still hear it. Mm. So I was outside and just listening to people. And somebody was like, it's all right. It's going to get better for us. And it just sounded like that old slave, Negro, master going to make it better for us. And I just... 
I just I took out my phone and I just start writing. I just start writing, mm. and that's what came out. I didn't wow. edit it or anything. I left it just like that. Wow, profound man. Yeah. Very profound piece, man. Very yeah. relevant and very inspirational, man. Inspirational. We got to do better, man. We definitely got to do better. So, wow, man. Man, we is. I'm so scared for us as a people, man. I'm so scared for us as a people. Like, um, a couple of days back, there was a story about a woman who got raped on a train. And I'm just like, how do we get to this point where you can get raped on a train in broad daylight and mm. nobody does nothing? That's crazy. It, it's, it's crazy. And that's the era like, we're in. I'm so that... scared for my kid. Mm. I feel you, my brother. I definitely feel you, man. Because it's crazy. It's real out there. You know, I seen one, that one incident with a, with a chick, the dude tried to grab the chick and carry her off the train. And they, you know what I'm saying? And they and they stopped them yeah. and they beat them up the next time they saw them. They, they had a video how they beat them up. I'm like, wow, man. Yeah. It's crazy. People want to record yeah. today. Today, people will sit there and record you get killed. They'll record you get killed and be yeah. like, oh, I ain't getting involved with that. And it's crazy, man. Right, right. And upload it quick because they want the views. They want the views. They want them views. It's crazy, man. We got to do better as a people, man. And that's why, you know, the poets, man, the poets are our saving grace. The poets are the are the news, the yeah. news anchors, the ones who give that information, get the people get inspired to do something. Because if we want to manifest, you know, a lot of people think that manifestation to manifest, you need belief. And you do. You need belief. But belief is not the number one ingredient. The number one thing you need in order to manifest is care. And a lot of times we just don't care because if you care, you would do something. You would it would immobilize you to get up, inspire you to get up and do something, not just talk about it, not just record, not just, you know, just just sitting there watching things happen, but to do something. So the care is the care that takes our community. When you see our communities and you see the elevators all pissy, like people violating with, with vandalism on the, on the buildings and you see the lack of care. So we would never be able to manifest a better neighborhood, a better community if we don't have that care, that ingredient that we need to manifest what we looking for is care. And it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy, man. But definitely a profound piece. Yeah. That piece brings awareness. I love that piece, man. So tell us, man, when your new CD coming out, what's the next movie? Like, what's what's on the bill for the real, man? Let us know, man. Because I know you got that comedy right, thing, because so, I'm trying to um, make that. Oh, oh, before yeah, you so, before you say that, let me, let, let me say congratulations to you. Let me say congratulations thank, to you for you. for appearing for appearing on Caroline's. My brother was on Caroline's, like like you appeared in you did your stand up, man. I want I want I want everybody to know that this brother touched the stage of Caroline's, man. This brother is working out here, but go ahead, my brother. Tell us, man. Tell us what you got going on, man. Yeah. Um. So actually, that show, um, is what I think brought me back. You know, being being out of the loop for over a year thanks to COVID, um, you know, I did the the internet IG thing, the Zoom thing, but it just mm. wasn't it wasn't like I didn't feel like I could give my best. So when I did Caroline, shout out to Kenny Williams for that. Um, I felt it again. Mm. So coming up, we have um, Truth and Jokes which is something I've always wanted to do where you do a show that's um, comedy and spoken word. I've always wanted to do that because I believe that both comedians and poets can make you laugh, make you think and leave you with a deep message. Mm. So why not combine the two? Definitely. Um, of course, that's November 17th, which is a Wednesday. It's at the newest um, comedy spot in, in Harlem, which is actually called Comedy in Harlem. Um, it's on East 117. Um, then that Saturday, I do my erotic thing. You know, that's always been one of my my my, my what's names. Um, arousal theory. Mm. That's at Melly Mello in Long Island. Um, I just started working on another book, which is going to be an actual. Um, like it's not just going to be poetry. It's called um, my two cents 
to my two cents on keeping it a hundred. Mm. Um, and so it's just like basically like it's the poetry um, that I call reflective poetry, as well as my thoughts and feelings on things like that. Um, I graduated to film school. Oh, congratulations! So and some some guys. Thank you, thank you. Um, so me and some brothers that I play football with. We're um, working on the first project, which is co- going to be called Familiar Strangers, which is about three friends who lifelong friends all with a secret that they're not ashamed of, but they just don't want their friends to know. Mm. Um, my favorite character, my favorite character is Daryl because his secret, he's a professional cuddler. <laughs> Right, so I think it's gonna be dope. Um, also, in two projects with Ray Lou, um, he did a horror film called In Vain. I played a bishop who gets killed on the bus, um, and he has a web series called Foster Sin. Mm. Um, they're up to they're filming episode three of season three now, in that as well. Um, there's a poetry documentary coming out next year. I'm slated for that. So yeah, that's you know, dope. I'm just trying to I'm trying to get to the point where Mike got to work. You that's know? right, man. That's right, man. You keep on pushing my brother because you're doing the right thing, King. You out here, man. You making moves, man. You making moves. I definitely wanted to celebrate you. This is the reason why I did this podcast, is because I want to celebrate the art of spoken word because I think this is what we can use to save us as a people. It can bring us together. Right. You know, words has always been our our saving grace. You know, even when we were being persecuted, we used words, we used song, we used poetry to get through it. You know what I'm saying? So this poetry that we do and we bring awareness, you know, like poetry like yourself, like poets like yourself and, and myself. I noticed we have a lot of conscious pieces. We got a lot of conscious pieces that speak to what's happening in our community, what's actually happening in our community. And we bring awareness to it. So I really salute you, my brother. I really salute you and all that you do. And any way we can support you, uh, we're going to do it, man. So I'm going to try to uh, in my upcoming shows, shows that will be aired before November 17th. I'm going to try to plug that the truth and jokes series. People can get out there and see that because I'm definitely going to try to make that one. man. I'm definitely going to try to make that man come support that one. And uh, definitely I'm going to put it out there, bro, because you need to be heard, man. And you do so much for the community because you're not just a spoken word artist for fame and vanity. You like you really do a lot of community work, man. You really out there doing the community, man. A lot of different uh, places that I go, I see you there. We're dealing with awareness. That when you did the flash mob, the flash mob was um was dealing with a certain type of awareness we was doing right, and we went all over the city with that one man. That joint, I'm telling you, brother, I had that I had so much fun. Yeah. Yep. Doing that flash mob right there, man. We went all over, man. Then we spit on the train. We got on the train and started yeah, spitting. Man. There was poetry everywhere, man. And that was dope, man. And uh, you do a lot of community work. You, you're a community activist. You care about your community, man. And I thought it was only right that we come in. We celebrate you, my brother, because you're doing the work, man. You're doing the work. So I know, I know you're busy, man. We went over time, but I want I want. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Now, I was going to say I appreciate all of that. And I want to say I apologize for the day. But, you know, I had got up on Facebook, you know, because I was, I kept ending up in Facebook jail. I got tired <laughs> of being a repeat offender for saying the truth. Exactly. You know, that, um, Donald Trump head did look like a, a, a baseball cap. <laughs> I ended up in Facebook jail for that. So I, I just left it. So, wow. So, I say I appreciate you inviting me to the platform. I love what you're doing. This is dope. I even love the um the actual platform you're using. Um, yeah. So salute to you with this. Thank you, my brother. Man, the intro. I'm like, okay, yeah. I appreciate yeah, you, King. I really do, man. But look, yeah. I'm gonna set the stage for you. To do your final piece because I can't let you leave without doing a final piece for us, man. Take us out in style. You know what I'm saying? Let me set the stage for my brother. Coming back to the stage for his final piece. Let's give it up for my brother, your brother, the real.
I'm glad my death is almost here because I'm tired of the pain that I constantly see and feel. Now, I know that some people ask for definite attempt to sound tough, but yo, I'm for real. Because I can no longer take living in a world where pain and suffering is the true favorite pastime. And I don't want to be set free or even receive that phone call that comes up. You see me, I just want to get this off my chest. I just need to clear my mind. Because I've witnessed a 15-year-old decide to get his life in order just to have it taken away. I've seen a family who lost a loved one to drug addiction or AIDS. I'm sick and tired of hearing about friends who come home from jail just to go back. And I get sick to my stomach every time I think about our kids who don't know what it is to live in a world without war, AIDS, or even crack. Every night on TV, I see stories about kids being sent unmercifully to their death. And you wonder why I don't want to take another fucking breath? I'm so tired of people screaming, the war in hip-hop must cease. But nobody's even whispering about all these little kids being molested by these priests. We support Michael Jackson and Robert Kelly after several cases of them fucking with little kids. So why can't we see people like Larry Davis and Momia set free for what they allegedly did? The elderly retiring and can't survive. Kids are having kids in the cold, not caring if the child lives or dies. Young black men, we're dying over streets and colors that'll be here long after we're gone. Check this shit out. The city banned smoking, but then offered smoking permits. We getting fucked by this city. Has anybody caught on? Coffee going up. Milk is almost $5. I don't know about you, but my inner city blues got me past wanting to fucking holler. And with only a few seconds left and my final breath near my life, I chalk it up. My tears suck them up because it's environment, which has become property of state, will soon be out of here. And the only thing left to say to a world this sick is get well soon. Dynamic poet, dynamic artist, a dynamic father, a beautiful human being. This is my brother, the real. I thank you, my brother, for coming through and blessing us, man. And uh, we appreciate all that you do. Never be a stranger when that new book come out. I want you to come back on the show. We'll do a feature on it, man. You know, and, uh, you know, anything you got going, my brother, I want to be able to support, man. I want to be able to contribute, man, because you deserve it, my brother. You deserve it, man. I can't wait to see you in another film. I can't wait to see your next performance. I mean, you a beautiful brother, man, and you always real, man. And I know you personally, man. You are a real dude, man. I appreciate you, King. I want to remind the audience that if you want to... If you want to get on the show, if you want to get on a Spoken Soul Sessions show, hit me up at SpokenSoulSessions at gmail.com. Send me your bio. Send me a link where I can get you and I can read your work or I can see you perform and I'll definitely get you on the show. Or I'll spotlight you on the Spoken Soul Spotlight on Tuesdays. So I want to thank you guys for spending the time you've spent with me. I want to encourage you to always be resilient. Always be pushing forward to get to that next station, that next level, that next pinnacle of you. I love you and I hope you love me too. Remember, always speak your soul. <laughs>